Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Good evening, good afternoon and welcome to this latest episode of the Stargate Archives. We are joined this week by the Gatecast co-founder. Welcome to the show, Alan. Hello. <laughs> Short and sweet. So, what are we going to be watching today and discussing? By special request of me, because it's an episode I missed on the original Gatecast, Midway. And one I suppose we all thought was coming at some point. Similarities between Ronan and Teok had been pointed out by us in the preceding episodes. Sure, we weren't the only ones that were sort of going, isn't Ronan Atlantis's Teok? It is a bit blatant, but nothing wrong with that. Uh, one of the reasons the archives exist is for filling in those gaps. There's a number of episodes of Gatecast I didn't feature on, and I will be redoing those episodes shortly, including episode 100, episode 200, <laughs> and my favourite Atlantis episode, Vegas, none of which I ended up actually doing. Let's face it, I probably missed a fair few more than you did. Yes, you probably did. So we're taking a short break from our Season 1 coverage of SG-1 and jumping straight to Season 4, Episode 17 of Atlantis. Midway was written by Carl Binder, veteran writer of Stargate, a single episode of SG-1, 15 of Atlantis and 6 of Universe. It was directed by Andy Makita, 29 episodes of SG-1 under his belt, 22 of Atlantis and 12 of Universe. And we will jump straight in. To a previously. That's, uh, since we're covering SG-1 early, there aren't many previously, so it came as a bit of a shock. I thought, oh yes, the previously, I'd forgotten all about that. Oh, you didn't tell me to press play. We're not pressing play. We don't watch the episode, Alan. Oh. This is a discussion podcast. We don't watch it. Ah. That's why I wanted you to make sure you had watched it and your memory uh, was fresh. <laughs> if we try to keep up with actual running video in the background, that might be a bit problematical. This is a reason oh, for less editing. I should have taken more notes. Probably, yes. Or indeed, Annie. <laughs> oh, joy. All right, a quick recap of the previously. McKay and Carter are... Well, Rodney is discussing the McKay-Carter intergalactic gate bridge. Consists of 34 gates, a roughly a 30-minute transition between galaxies with a 24-hour quarantine period in between. It doesn't actually mention the quarantine period on the previously, though. It doesn't. That probably just turned up to give a few more jokes in the episode. And to sort of embrace the plot. Yes. The episode starts off proper after the always entertaining uh, opening credits in Amanda's, not Amanda's, Carter's office, which is rather more casual than we've seen in previous seasons. Couches, some little bonsai on the desk. She's kind of settled in. A very pregnant Taylor, just returned from Earth. Her interview with the new IOA commissioner, Mr Coolidge, who has been referring to her as Honey. Oh dear. Even in 2008, I thought that would have probably been pushing it in terms of HR and uh, what someone in a position of power could actually talk to a female. Yes, I like how she referred to him as brusque and arrogant. Yes, but that is the IOA in a nutshell, isn't it? Well, I think we managed to rub the rough edges off Kato's character. In time, yeah. <laughs> she said she was at the SGC for two days, didn't get to do any sightseeing. So uh, remember those two days, because... It turns out Ronan doesn't spend that amount of time there achieving the same thing. Mm. Men, what can you say? <laughs> mm. You can talk over every woman in the room if you don't know them. 
She also kind of hints that she may not be returning to uh, field operations after she's had a baby, which kind of upsets John a bit. Yeah. He hadn't even considered the fact that he might lose her. You think he's still carrying a torch? Yes, I do. Even though he knows logically that there is zero hope, especially since she de semi raped father of the child. That's one of the interesting things. If you read the, the Stargate Atlantis Legacy series, that kind of gets addressed. But that's for a, probably another podcast. Mm. Right, John and Sam, you know, they're a little bit, little bit concerned about Ronan. Sam says uh, she's, she's brought in some reinforcements, you know, someone to guide Ronan's path through the uh, political minefield. And we go to the gate and a certain Mr. Christopher Judge makes his first appearance on Stargate Atlantis as Tilk. As a hippie tilk. Yes, very slick back. There is a lot of grease in that hair. <laughs> There's a lot of grey in that hair. Well, unending. Yes, it is. It's not quite clear how long Teal spent on that. I mean, what age is he supposed to be now? Because wasn't he about 78 when He's over 100. O'Neill met him? He's definitely over 100 now. He rapidly catching up with Braytac. <laughs> no, I was just wondering, Tritonin, does that still impede the ageing process? I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, the symbiote is constantly repairing any damaged cells. So, although even if you have symbiote, time does keep ticking away. I don't know, Braytac can still kick on the heels, ass. Yeah, but he looks old. <laughs> There's no getting away from the fact that Tony Amendola looks all his 135-plus years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now we get to the credits. I don't know why I thought we got credits before then, but now we get to the credits. We get a quick view of the city. Sam and Tilk are having a little discussion. She even comments on the hair. We get the first indeed of the episode, of the episode. <laughs> kind of becomes a running gag. They go to the gym where Ronan is sparring with some of the SG team members. Sparring or just beating seven shades of... Sparring implies a reasonably even contest. This is not an even contest. This is Ronan bored and kicking the crap out of people. Well, it's got to be voluntary, you know. If any of them ever manages to land land a punch on him, they'd probably get free beer for the rest of the week. It would be rather an achievement. Yeah, aforesaid beer would have to be drunk through a straw. She kind of walks up, introduces him. The two men just stare at each other. Ronan, a little bit taller than Tilk. You can pretty much see the dead-eye laser beams going between them. You don't really want to stand in between them. Carter subsequently does. Ronan actually spits down at Tilk's feet. It's just a reminder that Ronan isn't isn't quite civilised yet. You know, his time spent being a runner is hasn't hasn't been glossed over. Tilk just turns to Carter, perhaps you could leave us to become a little better and, and not antiquated, <laughs> <laughs> acquainted. And she just walks out, have fun. And we kind of get to the meat and bones of the episode on a planet. A Wraith cruiser is parked next to a Stargate. THD, what can these Wraith be up to? And we'll find out in a bit. Well, uh, you know, the hierarchy amongst the non-Queen Wraith is never especially clear. Not on the TV series, no. I'm going to bring the Legacy series books up again because they dive deep into the Wraith society. And we get the nomniculture for Featherman being the Wraith scientist, Blades being the Wraith warriors, the drones which are set apart. We get the full hierarchy of the Wraith worshippers that actually get to travel on the Wraith hives. Queen and their interactions with each of each of her people. You know, one, well, I suppose you'd call husband, one, you know, preferred male. It all just expands on something that the show never really had time for. And Todd, of course, is a 
we get to hear his real name is Guide amongst his people. Okay. Thomas Morris does come up in this episode. Yes, because as always, you can't trust a wraith as far as you could throw him. Uh, well, I don't throw them quite fair. Still not far enough. Right, we're in the canteen, as we know, uh, a redressed gate room. Tilk walks up to Ronan, who's busy devouring his uh, grapes and other fruit. And may I join you? Uh, yeah, he doesn't really wait for an answer, though. It's rhetorical. This is a planned approach. He's very, uh, I say, passive-aggressive, but uh, he's leading Ronan down a path which he knows exactly how Ronan's going to react. How are you? Uh, will you do okay with the IRA? Yes, I've worked with Woolsey. Woolsey's not, you know, he's a representative of the IRA. He's just one man. And then he starts laying down the line. How was Satida? How did you fare with the Wraith? Was it your mistake that caused the destruction of your people? How did you fight? When you finally surrendered, <laughs> and Ronan's yeah. getting madder and madder and madder, and finally he loses it and draws his weapon. Mm-hmm. Tyrk, of course, is the very picture of calm. He, he's beyond calm. Even even if you're confident he's not going to shoot you, you'd think just a little flinch, but no. Ronan screams out, that's a lie, and Tilk, calm, calm as day, indeed it is. He's got the response he wants, now he can lay down the law. Is this what you're going to be when they question you? Because this is how they will question you. They will look for a weakness and exploit it. Yes, and Shepard's sort of broken, put the gun away. Yeah. You can almost imagine he's saying it from between gritted teeth. It reflects badly on him. John's gone out of his way to get Ronan on the team, convince him to stay. Pulling a weapon on uh, one of the heroes of Stargate Command is not a good idea. Yeah, I don't think Shepard's suggestion before the scene break is necessarily the best idea. Well, he may regret it, but never mind. I have a question, though. Military and civilian base, right? Yeah. All supplies got from Earth, etc. Why does he even have money? Well, there's a PX on board aircraft carriers and other Navy ships, so there must be some, you know, so much that is provided, but if you want those extra chocolate bars above and beyond your rations, you've got to pay for them. You're right, why do they need actual physical currency of the sort? It could all be done electronically. Maybe with Midway Station, they actually get to visit Earth. Could be, yeah. Easier to get a turnaround of personnel if it's only a 24 hours and 30 minute <laughs> travel time. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes longer to get to Ireland from Australia. <laughs> I know. I've had to do it. We have, I suppose, your typical, not entirely unexpected, I can't imagine, I'm actually, I'm only amazed it took them this long into the episode to have this in. You are, of course, referring to the gym scene. Yes. Where Tilk and Ronan go at it like a couple of rabid dogs. Half the crew of Atlantis, it looks like they're there betting on them. John is fully supporting this endeavour. Sam, not so much. No, especially after she finds out how long it's been going on for. That's impressive stamina from both of them. Yeah. Like you say, they are not pulling the punches. You know, you think the, think the other members of the SEC were getting pummeled. These guys are laying into each other full force. Hell no, Roland manages to snap a metal rod which Tilk is holding. <laughs> Surprisingly cleanly. Yeah, of course, Tilk's the first one to bow to Sam's wishes. He throws down his, his two sticks. Ronan grins. Right, fist it is. Mind you. Fair play to character for actually stepping between them. <laughs> I'd be thinking, Lieutenant, come here. I think Sam, eight. she's not going to do anything that she's not going to get anybody else to do something she wouldn't do. She's totally mm-hmm. confident that she exerts her authority, Tilk will listen. Ronan will follow suit, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> she calls it a draw. Money gets changed hands again. Yeah, because John had doubtless bet on a draw. 
Although he doesn't take it all, he does give Chuck what, at least one note back. We get to a corridor. The boys are going to return to Earth through the Midway system. John and Ronan. Ronan moan, 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 moan. Sam and Tilk. She's thanking him for actually taking the time to visit Atlantis. A bit of a busman's holiday for him, but uh, they're going back to Earth. So get the interviews over and put everything behind them. Shepard patting Ronan on the chest and going, good boy. That displays extreme confidence in any sense of control Ronan may have. That's like petting a snarling Rottweiler. Again, they've been through enough adventures now that there is a trust between them. You know, they can talk to each other and take liberties that other people couldn't, within reason, of course. We jump back to the planet. It looks like the Wraith are planning on hacking the gate. They've got all sorts of technology around it. The Wraith commander is played by Scott Heindel. And the Wraith technician is played by Brendan Perry. Scott made appearances on the show, Brendan 4. Actually, the Wraith technician has got a, a Wraith name, Ember. And that must have been added way after the fact. Because, uh, like I say, proper names were never really given to the Wraith during the show. We hear the gate dialing. The midway system is being used. They announce that they've recorded the data. So, obviously, now they can hack the system. They really should have thought about when they were designing it. But, Rodney, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's only half a planetary system. <laughs> right, on board the Midway Space Station, Dr. Lee. Yeah. And Kavanaugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill Dow and Ben Cotton. Fantastic. Kavanaugh, the man you love to hate. Yeah. Surprised I'd forgotten he was in it. Oh, he, he, ma- he makes this episode. <laughs> oh, he does. And Lee, you, Lee is just a dork. Lee is the anti Kavanaugh. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Bill Dow made 20 appearances on SG-1, 7 on Atlantis and 2 of Universe. Kavanaugh made 6 appearances on Atlantis, you know, Ben Cotton. Mm-hmm. Also worth mentioning that uh, there's another crew member, Dempster, played by Torian Atkinson, although he doesn't last that long. Bit of a red shirt is what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm thinking, I saw him pop up and I thought, I've never seen this character before. I don't think <laughs> he's going to see the end of the episode. You were right. Obvious sacrificial lamb. Yeah, but this is where the uh, the boys learn that they're gonna gonna be spending 24 hours on Midway with a few puzzle books, a couple of DVDs inside a very very small room. Oh, the Sudoku's already been done. Yes. <laughs> All right, again back to the planet. The Wraiths send their first way through Midway Station. The Pegasus Gate activates. The two security guards don't seem to be too bothered. Granted, only it can only come from Atlantis. But, yeah, even when an SG team are dialing uh, the SGC and, you know, they've sent their confirmation code, the guards do not stand down. Security, security, security. And these two guys are taken very quickly as the Wraith storm through the gate. The Wraith don't seem that keen on actually killing anyone. I suppose why waste food? Yeah, stun them. Eat them later. (laughs) The two boys are watching the Three Stooges and the alarms alarms go off. Time to play. Uh, I think Ronan's gone, yay, something to do. do. (laughs) (laughs) Back on Atlantis, they're not able to dial the midway station. Oh, just a bug, nothing to worry about. Do you think think they got through? Yeah, and even if they didn't, look, they'll just come through on a planet, then they can dial back. No worries, no worries. Midway, Tilk and Ronan have got to the armory. Lots and lots of guns, more guns than there are personnel on the base. (laughs) Uh, in the control centre, the Wraith stormed the little complex. 
you see Bill, Dr. Lee tapping at the system, it activates some sort of lockdown code. Bloody genius, you know, he could have escaped, but no, stuck to his post, did what he had to do. I'm not sure he could have escaped, he would have got down to the gate room for that, which is full of rake. Yeah, he could have hid, it's a reasonably big station, he could have taken the jumper straight yeah, the, away. The, the, size of, the size of it isn't, I'm not sure he has the gene. Good point, I'm not sure. It's been that long since I've seen Atlantis, all of, what, a year and a half? <laughs> <laughs> right, back on Atlantis. Yeah, I love McKay's approach. Oh, the software hit. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, well, that actually opens himself up to, it could be his software. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they finally managed to dial through to the gate they believe could be the problem. They haven't been able to get through because it's always been active. He's saying, if there's any problem, they'll, be just, they'll just be waiting there. But it's supposed to be uninhabited. If they're not there, who's dialing? Oh, dear. Let's send them out. Yeah, that's, uh, how cheap are these things? Didn't Wolsey <laughs> complain about the cost? Worst case, you know, it trundles out. They go and fetch it afterwards. You know, they know it's not a space gate, so... They never bother. I mean, are they not repairable? You get the impression if they're shot by a stun thing, they're destroyed. Do they explode or something? Uh, I imagine the electronics are vulnerable from that sort of uh, energy discharge. The other thing is, why did the race wait so long to shoot it? Were they on the ship and they came out to investigate it? It could have been, it could have been. They could have been stunning themselves, you know, there could have been two left near the gate, anybody comes through, deal with them. They thought, uh, what should we do with it? We... Let's shoot it. Yeah, yeah, let's shoot it. <laughs> from the front or from the side? There's a camera on these, aren't they? <laughs> let's get a, get a selfie. So, yeah, they, they do shoot it. Obviously, now Rodney's got to face the fact that the uh, system has been compromised. Oh, poor Rodney. Back on Midway, the, the Wraith commander is not very happy that there's been a some sort of embedded code activated. Dr. Lee is trying to convince him that just because we activated the code doesn't mean we can deactivate the code. Mm-hmm. And there is a little bit of logic in there. I mean, obviously, somebody who unlocked the system could be travel to Midway via, you know, spaceship, not through the gate system. But uh, come on, you're not, re- it's not re- you're not really falling the wraith. He's pretty much threatens everybody. Kavanaugh faints. Gloria. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Lee just looks at him. Oh, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to we're going to we're going to eat you. <laughs> no, don't eat me. Actually, in fairness, I don't think he eats them until after the flashback to Atlantis. Oh no! Well, he, he doesn't eat them, does he? I admit I'm looking at a transcript in our notes, so I keep a reasonable eye of where we are. <laughs> we do get a quick flash of the the spacesuits in one of the rooms on the base. They come back to be very important to the plot. They break the code. That basically, basically the, the Wraith tech who actually breaks the code saves Dr. Lee from being tortured. They send a device through to uh, the SCC, a great big glowy ball. Both the Wraith and the ghouls seem to like glowy balls. It certainly helps when there's a ramp that it can roll down. You'd think, although I'm impressed with the glowy ball, the fact that it can go through several feet and tons of reinforced concrete to multiple levels. It had made more sense if it had been some sort of uh, subspace pulse, you know, that were outside the visual spectrum. Mm-hmm. Punch its way through concrete like gamma rays or something like that. Yeah, well, actually, gamma rays don't tend to go through concrete that well. Obviously, without the visual effect, you wouldn't know why people were collapsing. No, you'd think it might be some sort of uh, contagion or going through the mm-hmm. air infiltration systems. But whatever it is, it takes Walter out pretty quick and all the people in the gate room. Basically, the whole base... So it must be some sort of spherical pulse if it punches up through the levels as well. Question, you got to ask it. Why does Walter casually open the doors like that? It seriously lacks security. 
Yeah. And the other the, thing is, he sees the big glowy ball. Isn't the first thing you should do close the iris and the blast doors? Yeah, just in case it's explosive. They had no idea yeah. what it was. Take your hand off the gate and slap on the big red button. Alert, alert, or anything. Automatic uh, shutdown of the base. So back on Atlantis, Rodney's working uh, on a, well on a workaround. Keep working. Finally admitted that it could be his problem. <laughs> Midway, uh, get ready to send the next wave through. Tilk and Ronan, right, we're going to kill some Wraith. Ronan, now you're talking. <laughs> the boys get to have a bit of fun. Nothing like mindless, aggressive killing of bad guys to create a bond between uh, two men. And nothing like a very simple but effective decision to have the warrior Wraith have face masks, which all look identical. Saves you a small fortune on that. Yes, having the drones did... It makes sense because obviously they're a hive mentality. The bulk of the Queen's children are just plain drones. They have the faceplate put on them at birth. They were never really too sure how their sensors operate when they denied some sort of visual cues. But obviously we've seen that the canopies of the darts, they are solid as well. They rely on projections. So maybe it's something similar to that. The Cavaliers, you know, the more advanced, the more fancy warriors of the hive. They're the blades. They're the ones that wear the leather trench coats. Bit more individuality, different actors playing each one. Let's face it, they've clearly been watching Angel. Well, even even you go back a bit further to the X Files, the Covney had the similar coat but not made out of leather. It kind of works well. And go you go even further back, the the classic westerns where you know they wore the dusters. Right, so uh, Pegasus inbound gate, obviously in the SGC Pacific objective uh, they're after. They're not feeding as they go. Where are the wraith? They've gone. Don't want to control the gate. Reason is they went out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's up. Back to Midway. Huge firefight going on. The uh, armourers must have been having the time of their lives. Shell casings <laughs> everywhere. If this had been a show where they went for the CGI muzzle flashes and everything as the norm, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have seen all the all the brass lying, lying around the floor. It's that extra touch that makes this show work. I had to smile. The Wraith Commander appearing on the monitor. Almost Bond villain. Yeah. Ah, there you are, Colonel Shepard. And, and let's, not, let's not forget John electing to end the conversation by, well, for start off, there's no guarantee that shooting the monitor will actually cut off the signal. No. It's a dramatic, poetic device. But again, it makes sense for, you know, the whole base to be under, under cameras from the mm-hmm. control centre, be able to access any of the security feeds. Two and two are finally confirmed being four, uh, he worked with Todd, access to Todd's research and his uh, liberating of certain information from yep. uh, Rodney's laptop. <laughs> Although I do like the fact that the right scientists thought they were getting reinforcements. Oh yeah, they, they had it planned out. And they weren't reinforcements? No. They were John. Only reasonable. They did, before Tilk and uh, Ronan went scot- scampering through uh, the Earth Gate, you know. They would have needed some sort of backup. Obviously, the extra the extra bodies that came from Atlantis are going to take control of Midway. Tilk and Ronan now are back on the SGC. They figured out that the Wraith are going to be climbing up, uh, as shown by some of the monitors. They point out that they are trapped with us. Indeed. <laughs> They've got nowhere to go. You can't simply just climb out of Stargate Command when it's under lockdown. That's also where we actually see the exchange between Ronan and Tilk. Yeah. You say that a lot. Do I? <laughs> the transcript actually says Dex in a deep voice, indeed. <laughs> but around here we see something which I don't recall seeing before. 
We see a drone feed. Yes, yes, we do. I, I know they have, and I imagine they do, but I don't think they'd shown it previously. It, it was unusual enough, and I was like, I don't remember that happening, ever. Yeah, I suppose because it's always going to be a close-up, you have one of the more fancy wraiths do it. Mm-hmm. Further on in the series, we get the revelation that they can actually provide energy as well as take it. Mm-hmm. But it does give them the jump on the wraith, you know. And, of course, we've got to start seeing bodies. Yeah. You know, skeletons, dried husks, and we do. So, uh, obviously, there have been some... You think, well, no, there hasn't been any firefights, so they don't have to replenish their energy. They're just stopping for a snack. Uh, let's not forget... Ronan's or Teok's deadpan exchange with Ronan, I would very much like a weapon like Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in line. He just looks at it and such covetous covetous desire. This is a great weapon. It is. Just a damn shame that it were limited to uh, the travellers and they weren't sharing. Yes, another spectacular firefight, lots of hand-to-hand combat. Back to midway, Kavanagh's recovered recovered long enough to just completely screw things up. And that's not the word that was in my head. But I figure (laughs) you don't need to say the word that's in my head. Probably not. Yes, Rodney and Dr. Lee are busy trying to regain control of midway. Kavanagh chirps up, just critical systems bypass. It's a button, press it, press it. No, no, we're working on this. And off he goes, take it into himself. Presses the damn button. Thinks he knows better than McKay. Yep. I, I think Kavanaugh was only put into this episode to screw up. Oh, there's... <laughs> Sorry, I just spotted a giant balloon. Okay. The alarms go off. What have you done? Uh, <laughs> I don't... No. Self-destruct. There you go. That's why we weren't doing it. How long we got? Ten minutes. Not good. Was it ten minutes or was it... Yeah, it was ten minutes, wasn't it? Just under ten minutes, according to Lee. We jump back to the SGC. They've made it to the conference room where the IOA delegations are there. For some reason, Mr. Coolidge has recovered before anybody else, just in time to start issuing orders, get on the radio. Maybe he had more caffeine in his system. Could be. Could be any reason, but uh, there we go. Uh, Rob LaBelle is playing Coolidge. Automatically, we don't like him. Do you think there was a nod? Do you remember, was it a colonel? or a lieutenant from the precursor of the IOA, who basically wanted to abandon G1 when it was under severe attack. And Thomas Davis said, no, you're going to stay here and fight with us. Yeah, that was a member of the Air Force. That was uh, a long time ago, a long time ago, I think, Mark, I think. Felt that was a nod to him. Yeah. You know, good, oh yeah, we're going to call in the nuke and I'm getting out of here. And I'm thinking, yeah. Dear's not going to let you do that. I'm being ignored from a distance of about eight feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stretch unless I actually stood up and walked over there and pet the cat. She's just lying in maximum couch occupancy mode. Colonel Samuels, that's mm-hmm. the man you're thinking of. Is gold busters, two nuclear weapons that, of course, they can take down a, an alien starship. No problem. They're cloaked from radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, and as you say, when when they didn't work, uh, he actually did go to Hammond and said, you know, perhaps I should go to the Alpha sites. Yeah. No, we're sending the uh, the best of the best there. You're staying in here and fighting. But this is pretty much similar, you know. Coolidge, he, he wants out. He knows what's going to happen next. So, <laughs> not a very nice guy. Back to Midway. Right, the, we're going to make it to the Puddle Jumper. Why? Where, where can we go? You know, it could be two weeks before anybody gets to us. Well, it's better than blowing up, isn't it? Come on. Yeah. 
more skeletons. John finally calls the control room, vent the atmosphere. It's the only way we're going to be able to kill the rest of the Wraith before they manage to break in. Eventually, Lee does it. Uh, although the display is saying venting O2, not air, not atmosphere. I noticed that. I was thinking, okay. The Wraith seem to collapse very quickly. John is built from better stuff. He hangs on. No air to breathe. He hangs on. He's crawling. He's crawling. He looks up. Light bulb. Come on, think about it. <laughs> it seems to be that both John and the Wraith, I can understand the Wraith being able to survive low oxygen environment, but what's special about John when all the drones are collapsed and he's still breathing? Yes, it should have been the other way around. Mm-hmm. I would have thought it would have been the other way around, but never mind. Back to the SGC, another explosive confrontation between Tilk, Ronin and some Wraith. Violent hand-to-hand combat. Oh, yeah. Coolidge disappears. <laughs> We've lost Coolidge. Never mind. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> Back to Midway, everything's quiet. Oh, uh, yeah, we did, we did get something from Walter there. Go on. Race, what, here? <laughs> I think that is pretty much, it's practically his only line in the episode. That's my sort of job. <laughs> Press that button, then collapse back in your chair. Good. Then say this right. line. Right, do I get paid for the entire episode? Yes, you do. <laughs> Although at this point, he's probably lost his parking spot. <laughs> yeah, so they think everybody's dead. Time to make the way to the jumper. Coolidge, they're going to nuke the base. We've got to make it to the escape hatch. I'm sorry, but if the base is under lockdown and the Air Force are going to nuke the base, you you deal it. You don't let anybody out because you don't know yeah. exactly what the problem is. Mm-hmm. There is no escape. Although it does it does allow him shortly for Ronan to give his quite spectacular speech. Mm. Back to Midway. Where's the jumper? Over there. <laughs> As they're climbing down the lat, we hear some breathing. Rodney turns around, looks at the spacesuit, the visor clears, John's inside. Now we know for a fact it takes a long time to get into one of those solid suits. Yep. Even Rodney, how the hell did... Doesn't matter, we haven't got time. Take it as gospel. Yeah, take it as a factor of plot. Ronan Tilk again, lots more hand-to-hand combat. This is where the steam pipe really comes in handy, just as Tilk is going to be fed upon. Ronan slams the pipe right through the Wraith's chest. Astyok is being fed upon, actually, because there were little red holes in his chest. Yes, so a couple of days gone. <laughs> You'll never notice. Although he, he does have to take a few deep breaths. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen Tilt that near the edge before, except perhaps when he was getting tortured with the paint stick. Quite. We get another Indeed. <laughs> this, this episode is really thrown in the Indeeds. 20 seconds, jumper departs. Boom. That space station did not last long, cost an awful lot of money, and there are going to be heads rolling. Not Roland's, though. Roland can apparently blow anything up. Yeah. Or Rodney, rather. Rodney can, yeah. But Ronan, of course, he, he's funny. We cut to the conference room, the IOA delegates are all there. Big interview. Can you uphold the integrity, the honour, the fortitude of the SGC and its uh, personnel? Ronan leans forward. Yes. Good enough for me. <laughs> Absolutely bloody brilliant. No one here is grueling as he was expecting. No, no. But then again, after all he's done, I would be personally insulted if one word answer wasn't sufficient. Well, by Rowland's standards, it's positively voluble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, even during even the fourth season, he wasn't the most talkative. But Tilk and Ronan, bros for life. You know, they've been through an ordeal. They've seen each other fight. They've seen each other wounded. Total respect for each other. You could imagine them going on little fishing trips or something like that now. 
Yeah, I thought the fishing trips was a jack thing. That is true. I mean, Tilk did kind of tend to avoid him. If at all possible. Mind you, everybody did. I mean, poor Carson, after all. We get a close-up of the inside of the jumper. Uh, Kavanaugh is expressing his love for all things Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's overarching to make him a little. As if we didn't have enough reasons <laughs> to dislike him. Yeah, Michael Bay's best movie, Pearl Harbor. Well, let's face it, it's like picking the shiniest piece of in the pile. <laughs> There's a rumbling sound, a big thud. All of a sudden, the rear hatch opens up. Hello, boys, you know. Where are we? Where do you think? <laughs> Seriously, okay, they may have been stranded there for anything up to two weeks. Surprisingly, no comments about the smell. Cause... Yeah, because you'd imagine so. Where's Shepard? Oh, uh, he, he locked himself within the cockpit, you know, after a day or so. <laughs> He's asleep. No wonder he didn't hear us. Oh, no, he's doing his Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I suppose you could... Yeah, that reference could be made now. The look on the pair of their faces, though, you know. Well, hey, <laughs> saved. You're alive, yeah. The SGC, all sorted. The Wraith, all dead. Good job. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, I passed my IOA test. Yeah, what's not to like? And the two walk off into the distance. And how could you not like this episode? Yeah, it's fun. I was kind of hoping there'd be a commentary... But there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't for this episode, was there? No. Surprising. I would quite happily watch that this morning. For I wonder how thinky words. Imagine Jason and Christopher mm. with some of the stunt performers in. That would have been something to listen to. Yeah, I don't know how talkative Jason would be. Having seen him on panels, he's not exactly a massive distance from Ronan in terms of chatability or intellectual discourse. I think this time spent in the DC universe is kind of rubbing off on him. Or else, you know, he's contractually obliged to be a little bit more forthcoming. Ah, <laughs> uh, the DC universe. Only one movie of the last ten that's actually been half decent. Such is DC. Okay then, folks, that was Midway. As Alan says, uh, an excellent episode. Uh, lots of fun, merging elements of SG-1 and SGA. Fantastic to see Christopher Judge making an appearance on Atlantis long overdue. Only the one, though. Yeah, I suppose you... You could argue that getting the stories to work with members of the SGC would have been pretty difficult. Daniel, of course, he's got the research angle. You can pretty much, you could have put him in any season. Jack, as and when required. Cameron and Vala, absolutely no need for them really to go to uh, Atlantis. Yeah, but I'd love to see Vala interacting with Taylor. <laughs> That'd be an interesting dynamic. And I'd like to see how Shepard reacted to Vala. I think they, them pair would have gone famously. <laughs> right then, folks, thank you very much for joining us for Midway. We will probably be back next with the Stargate Season 1 SG-1 episode. Uh, obviously, at this point, as if you've been listening for the length of the archives, it's all pretty much in, up in the air. I, I release as and when I, when I feel, feel like it. Obviously, all I guarantee is that there will be another episode shortly. Alan, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, brother. Your birthday today. Yes. Happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> Why did you ever go to Helsinki for a date? Because none of my friends are around. <laughs> I thought I could sit around here on me Todd all day and eat snack food and watch sci-fi, but yeah, I can do that any time. True, yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find the website at stargatearchives.com. If you want to email us, stargatearchives at gmail.com. On Twitter, we've retained at the Gatecast, and our Facebook and Google Plus page remain the same. 
We would love to hear from you on any of the subjects we've covered so far. And of course, if you want to join us, please get in touch. We would love to get a few more guests on mixing up a bit. Alan. Yes. When are we going to see your podcast? It's been an interesting month. Need to record another couple of episodes. I mean, like he wants copy off. I gave him copy for the gathering and I think I gave him copy. I certainly gave him two edited episodes. I think once he starts releasing it, it'll encourage me to edit more. Yeah, it tends to do that when you start getting deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> but I like deadlines. I love the washing sound they make as they go by. <laughs> okay then, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to the Stargate Archives. Alan, thank you very much for joining me. Indeed. I would appreciate knowing you were a discussion podcast before I started. <laughs> Heaven forbid you actually listen to anything. Until next week, I've been Mike. I've been Alan, rarely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.